Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of Falling Out. This is your host, Elgin Strait, and I want to use this episode to do a look back across some of the messages that I've received and also highlight some points that I think are, are relevant to the audience and don't necessarily fit into the, the interview structure. So this is me kind of tying up loose ends at the end of 2022 and tackling some of those issues. Now, as a listener of this show, obviously you are a fairly clever cookie and you will surmise that it is now actually 2023 or perhaps even later when you are listening to this. That's because this episode has taken me longer to put together than I would like. And I should note that at some points during the rest of this episode, I refer to this year. That year is actually the year 2022 when I recorded those portions. But I'm just going to leave them like they are so I don't have to re-record everything. Now, let us continue. First of all, I want to address kind of what's led me to do this. And effectively, over the nearly two years that I've been running this show, I've been approached by a lot of people with a lot of questions that relate to specific circumstances that they're facing as individuals, people maybe leaving this cult or leaving other cults. Where possible, I have tried to address those people directly. But what's happened over the last, I would say, six months or so, especially since the Shinzo Abe assassination, is that a lot of people have been contacting me, I guess, due to the visibility of the the show and the, the prominence of the Abe assassination and the related issues in the cultural psyche. A lot of people have been coming to me from the press, just trying to understand how all this shit hangs together. Uh, and one of the things I learned from that was they were just asking the same questions over and over and over. And I would spend an hour or two with each of them on the phone to explain all this. And of course, I want the world to know about this, but that's just not a very good and scalable use of my time. And so I created a section on my website. Uh, if you go to Falling Out Pod, click on contact. There's a tab that's that says journalist question mark start here. And that has a few different resources, YouTube clips and podcast episodes that I think are sort of foundational to understanding this whole landscape. And what happened as a result of publishing that is I've since been contacted by journalists who said, hey, I've read and listened to everything on your journalist start here page. Now I have some more specific questions. And then that's fucking great. That's a, for me, that's a great win. So I learned something there. And effectively, what I'd like to do is apply that learning to some of the questions that have come my way and some of the feedback that I've gotten. Effectively, I don't want it to live in a silo where it can just reach one person. I want it to be accessible in a place where it can be multiplied effectively. And it felt like doing an episode on that as well as a few other things would be the way to do it. So I want to go through a few pieces of mail that I've gotten here. And these are kind of related, basically. This is one, and I don't want to you know, give away any identifying information, so I'll leave that out. But this is a message I received in all caps. I just watched your YouTube video, dot, dot, help me, please, four exclamation points. I need to apologize to this person. I received this towards the end of November. I'm now recording this message at the end of December, and I have not written back to them. My apologies to them, but again, I want to use this opportunity to take the answers to these questions and hopefully multiply their audience. So here goes. I'm sure this person will know when they hear the text of this email. Again, I just watched your YouTube video. Help me, please. Hi, I hope all is well. I just watched your YouTube videos on the movies. I did not realize, but my girlfriend is a part of this cult. I really need your help in way of some tips on how I can get her out. I can't even begin to tell you about the pain that this has caused both of us. Her mental health all makes sense now. 
even down her ability to even spend money on herself. By the way, I'm from somewhere and she is from somewhere else. I'm so hurt because not only do I love her, but I care for her beyond our romantic love. The only good thing I have going in my favor to get her out is that she is very unhappy and has expressed that she is living a double life. Could we talk, etc.? Please help me if you can. So I think my reaction to this is people don't leave if they're being forced. If you try to twist their arm, all it makes them do, and this applies for pretty much any cult, is if you try to force the issue, then it becomes a bone of contention for them. And in many cases, they will dig their heels in further. I also want to say I'm glad that this listener now understands the mental health of his girlfriend and particularly this bit, even down to her ability to spend money on herself. I know what that's like and not feeling like you, even if you have money, you can't spend it on yourself. That resonates deeply with me. I guess I have to say I'm also kind of surprised that like you have a girlfriend that is part of this cult, considering how that is not, you know, not allowed in the cult. But the fact that you have a girlfriend who's part of a cult makes me think that she's already doubting in some capacity. And then the fact that you mentioned that she's aware that she's living a double life. This woman knows something is up at, at a minimum. To me, it sounds like there, the seeds of doubt are there. The fact that she's even going out with you I, indicates that she doesn't wholeheartedly believe in this whole thing. And that's a good sign because I think with if there's a sliver of doubt, then that's something that can be explored and discussed. But ultimately, that doubt has to start with that person. It's really hard for you to put that inside of them. So that is good news. The fact that there is evidently some doubt. And in terms of how to widen the understanding of the doubt, I think first of all, just trying to understand, you mentioned that she's very unhappy. Talk to her about why. Why is she unhappy? And don't just accept the first answer. Ask deeper questions, this second and third level questioning. Ask why, ask what her makes her feel like that. Ask what happened to her in her life that, that she thinks makes her feel like that. Ask her about how she thinks her parents might have dealt with a similar situation and how that might impact how she thinks she should deal with that situation. Ask deeper questions. And part of this is just simply understanding the person. I think in terms of getting someone out, to go back to what I mentioned earlier, it's very hard to force their hand. But what you can do is sort of meet them where they are and try and understand what's driving them. And it sounds like you do love her and you want to be there for her. So be there for her and use that to understand her on a deeper level. And if and when she's ready, there are a few resources that I can recommend. So one of them in this book comes up time and time again. It'll probably come up again on this very same show. One of them is the book In the Shadow of the Moons by Nan Suk Hong. This is a woman who grew up in the Moon family and saw all the hypocrisy within it. And that book was a catalyst for myself and many others leaving the cult. Uh, that's probably the first thing I would do is, is buy a copy of that book, read it, and buy a copy for her. She may not want to read it. Don't force it upon her. Maybe tell her you have a copy, and if she's interested, you can give it to her. Maybe get a copy, read it yourself, understand what it's all about, then ask her if she would like to read it, and then talk about what you read in that book. I think that would certainly be something to consider. Personally, I think just hearing stories of other people who have left and why they left. There are many of those in this podcast, as 
listeners will be aware. I can also recommend my friend Ren Robot's podcast, Bless Child. Put a link to that in the show notes. Fundamentally, just uh, widening your horizon and understanding the experiences of others in the cult uh, is a way to pierce the veil of, of secrecy that the cult placed upon all of us. And widening that perspective can massively help someone who's in it to understand what they're actually a part of and then decide if they want to remain a part of it. Two other books that have been mentioned on this show, and I will mention them again, and I will mention them as many times as I think they are, they are relevant. One is Take Back Your Life by Yanyo Lalich, which is about recovering after life in a cult. That book is amazing. I recommend anyone who's listened to this show to go out and buy it and read it if you're interested in these issues. Terror, Love, and Brainwashing by Alex Stein is another book on the topic and helps people understand the methods of control and coercion that are at play here because at the end of the day, they're not unique to the Moonies. So those are some of the ideas. I think fundamentally it comes down to just understanding that you can't force the issue. You need to meet them where they are. And when you meet them where they are, that's the place where you can start to try to incrementally open their eyes to what's happening. And maybe even saying, oh, did you know there is a community of people who left the church and they're talking about it online? And here's how you can access that. Just tell her that and point her to this show and to Blessed Child and let her discover it on her own. Don't force it upon her. Let her discover it on her own. She may not even know that these communities exist. Quite honestly, many people don't. All it takes is someone to start talking about it and then the knowledge can be transferred. So those are some of my thoughts on that. I want to move on here to, and this is actually a related topic, and this is actually quite cool and I think might be cool for the audience to hear. So astute listeners will remember season two, one of my guests was Arljen Von Brock. And coincidentally, Arljen contacted me today saying the following. And this, I think, is just indicative of just a lot of the conversations that I continue to have with many of the amazing guests on my show. It's awesome to keep in touch with every single one of them and stay, stay friends with them. So this this is the uh, message I received from Algen. Hello, hope all's well. I received an email from, I'll leave the name out, and they asked if I would know of any resources for BCs, so blessed children, kids growing, who grew up in the Moonies, currently disillusioned slash disaffected with the movement. Any suggestions? There's a little more to this message, but I want to maintain anonymity here. I was wondering if you would possibly know of any resources for BCs currently dissolution slash disaffected with it. Okay. I know it's been difficult for all of us, but I was moved by your story and inspired to reach out for help. If you would know of anything, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Sincerely. Okay. So this is slightly different, but related to the previous question. So this person is, it sounds to me... Like they're, okay, so first of all, they were born into the cult. They they admit that they're disillusioned and disaffected. It's not really clear where they are in their journey out and their healing journey, even after leaving. But if we kind of take it at face value, I think there's a couple layers here. I'm going to assume that this person still lives with their parents. I may or may not be right about that, but that, that impacts some of what I would suggest in this scenario. But I think first and foremost, and this applies to the previous message as well, first thing to understand is if you spent any time as a kid in the Unification Church, you were the victim of child abuse. Just let that sink in. 
you were the victim of child abuse if you grew up in this environment. You were the victim of emotional abuse. You were the victim of psychological abuse. You were the victim of sexual abuse. You may not have been physically touched sexually, but the amount of pressure and guilt and shame and sexualization of children is tantamount to sexual abuse. You suffered all of those abuses, plus many more, I'm sure. So you need to let that sink in. And that can take time. It's a hard realization to come to. The second part of that is you suffered that abuse at the hands of your parents. There's also a difficult, difficult realization to come to. Part of that is also that your parents were manipulated into abusing you. And for the most part, I genuinely think that most parents of us kids who grew up in this cult, I think most of them genuinely are good people whose hearts were in the right place and their idealism was corrupted by a madman. And they were manipulated into abusing their kids and putting the needs of the Moon family before the needs of their own family. So there are a few corollaries to that. Number one, I think you need to realize that, and this is another tough nut to swallow, your parents do not have your best interests at heart. They have the Moon family's best interests at heart. And they've even told you that when calling Moon their true parents and telling you to call them, to call the Moon family your true parents. So what does that mean? So that means in terms of things that you can do, and this would apply to the previous question as well. I want to almost go to a deeper, deeper issue, which is a friend of mine who grew up in the cult told me that at one point, one of his older brothers came to him and said, no matter what you do, don't allow them, don't allow the cult and don't allow your parents to make you feel bad for anything that you do or want to do with your dick. It's kind of crass, but I think this guy's older brother is kind of legendary for coming to him and trying to prepare him for the fact that his family, his parents, were going to try and make him feel guilty for what are very human urges. And the reason that's relevant is that you need to understand that from the very beginning, the very foundation and formation of you as an individual, your parents and their entire life were set up to make you feel bad about something that is entirely natural. So just let that sink in. Understand that. Take us some time to let that sink in. And then the, the bits and pieces that are associated with that, the pressure that they put on you to get married to someone in the organization, do what you can't do, whatever you have to do to escape that pressure. If you have to lie to your parents, fine. But getting married to someone is a big fucking deal, um, especially if you end up doing it legally. You end up having kids. Take it from me, someone who's been through an arranged marriage at a young age. It's a big fucking deal. And your parents have no goddamn business making that decision for you at all. So it may be hard, but first and foremost, I would push hard against that. And if that means lying, if it means running away, it means escaping in whatever way you can to avoid that, because the impacts of that can be monumental on your life, do whatever the fuck you got to do. And there are some other things that you can do to prepare yourself. Again, assuming you're living at home. And this goes back to the, the previous caller as well. Number one, uh, understand that the cult has, the Unification Church has specifically manipulated you to believe that the outside world, so-called outsiders, are evil, that they're going to take advantage of you, that they're going to do evil things to you. And you may feel a desire to 
view the outside world with skepticism as a result of that. And it's only natural given the environment that you grew up feel like that. But understand this, the cult is doing that to further their own aims. They're not doing it because they care about you. They're doing it because it's in their interest. It's in their interest in terms of developing more money and power and control over you. And the reality is most people in the so-called outside world are going to be better friends to you than people in the church or certainly equal, equal, but they are not bad people. And if you want to leave the church, if you have any doubts, you're going to need some sort of support group. So all this is in a roundabout way to say, do your best to cultivate relationships with people that are outside of, it may be difficult, but find those connections to other people. And actually, this is something that Aljin specifically said to me when I, I asked her what she would suggest to this person. These are all related. As for some advice, this is from Aljin. Mine is to find value in self-worth through art or other local events and communities that don't involve religion or a guru. And I think that's huge. So finding your own self and developing your own relationships outside groups is massive. And do not underestimate the power of those people to influence your life. If you listen to this show, you will have heard some instances where so-called outsiders were by far the best people in the lives of my interviewees. Alton also goes on, also keep an open mind and collect ideas that are scientific and practical and provide relevance to self-worth. This is excellent. And it, it also dovetails with one of my suggestions, which, which is kind of relevant to the above, which is focus on your education. Focus on your, the, uh, this is another truth. If you're in the, if you grew up in the unification church, your education has been neglected and surprise, surprise, that's all to funnel money and power back up to the moon. Your education has been neglected, and it's in your interest to rectify that so that you can support yourself, so that you can leave home faster and better equipped to deal with the real world. And I think it reminds me of a quote from the great Henry Rollins. It goes as follows, if you hate your parents the man or the establishment don't show them up by getting wasted and wrapping your car around a tree if you really want to rebel against your parents outlearn them outlive them and know more than they do and you can do all that you can at least outlearn them and know more than they do hopefully you will you'll outlive them obviously some of that's not within your control but what's within your control is outlearning them and knowing more than they do so focus on your education, even if your parents won't let you or don't support it. Figure out a way to do that so that you have the skills to navigate the world that they are not teaching you that are being neglected. Focus on building community because the church is going to fucking hang you out to dry as soon as they know you're doubting anything. Those are my thoughts on that particular situation. And then when it comes to specific resources, I want to call out the books that I mentioned earlier, In the Shadow of the Moon by Nanser Kong. Um, Sorry, In the Shadow of the Moons by Nanser Kong. The Blessed Child podcast, this podcast. I would also recommend Lisa Cohn's book, To the Moon and Back. Incidentally, Lisa is going to be a guest on season four. It's going to be awesome. But all of those books will help you to sort of form a baseline understanding. Sorry, I want to recommend uh, Take Back Your Life by Yanya Lalich, as well as uh, Terror, Love, and Brainwashing by Alex Stein. Read all those books. Listen to all the content about this cult and just prepare yourself for 
the time when you're ready to make a move out and the fuck out as many of my guests have done and have detailed on this show. And as you leave, there are other things you need to be aware of. Number one, we've talked about this on this show. The unfortunate reality is that you, as well as those you love that grew up in or were coerced into this environment, statistically speaking, you are more susceptible to falling prey to another cult. And for that reason, it's important to understand the types of manipulation that are employed because what we suffered at the hands of this cult are, are the same tricks that others employ. And fundamentally, if you're, you're susceptible to those, rather than knowing the specifics of this cult, it's almost more beneficial to know what the generalities of those tactics look like. So for that reason, I recommend reading about other cults, just educating yourself as to the various types of cultic manipulation that exists in the world. I think another thing to say here is we've talked about this on the show, but it's very common for those who are in the Moonies or even for those who are who have left the Moonies to get sucked into some of the new age cults that are out there to get, especially with all the percolation and evolution of right-wing conspiracy thinking these days and the way that is coalescing with crunchy granola spiritualism a lot of the folks in our lives who grew up in this cult are susceptible to falling prey to those new age cults that all seems to eventually kind of lead to QAnon and adrenochrome and all sorts of shit anyway for me, it's been incredibly beneficial to understand the terminology that's being used there so that when people that are close to me are using it, I know what they're talking about. And I think one of the best sources of information I've seen on that is a podcast called Conspirituality. I would recommend starting from the very, very beginning because they track in detail how the New Age spirituality movement has coalesced with right-wing nationalism and fascism and all the rest. It's a fascinating journey told by folks who came from the wellness community and saw it kind of turn itself into what it is today in all the ways that it, that it ties into ties into the crazy. So for me personally, when people that I loved were mentioning some of the names of some of the people in that sphere, I had no idea who they were until I heard them on that show. And that gave me a ton of information and insight into how those people were, were feeling and what they were talking about. So number one, I would recommend the Conspirituality Podcast. I will link to that in the show notes. I also think in terms of other direct resources that I can recommend, because this is sort of what this question was, was referring to, is recognize that what you were taught about relationships was wrong from the very beginning and seek to immerse yourselves in other ideas about what relationships can and should be. And I have two specific recommendations on that. One is a podcast called Savage Love by Dan Savage. Dan is a gay guy who's been writing a sex and relationships podcast for decades now. It's an amazing podcast and explores all types of love that do not look like the one man, one woman for life scenario that we were all taught was the only way to be. And for me, that was really fascinating and eye-opening to see that there are a lot of other pathways to happiness than the one that we were taught was the only way to go. I still listen to it to this day. I've listened to it for probably nearly the last 10 years now. It's amazing. Pick any episode and it'll be great. You should listen to that. Another resource that I'd like to recommend is a podcast called Guys We Fucked. Its hosts are two women who 
basically just talk about sex. And for me, it was really eye-opening because this is really fucking embarrassing to say, but probably five or seven years ago, listening to that podcast, that, that was the first time that I actually understood that women could enjoy sex, just listening to that. And if you grew up in this cult, you probably have a pretty warped perception of what sex and fulfillment is. And that was really eye-opening for me. Maybe it'll be for you. I don't know, but that's another specific recommendation. And I'm going to have some more specific recommendations later, but I want to switch gears here now and specifically flip to a pretty awesome letter that I got earlier this year. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in August of this year, I was contacted by a woman who works for a media company saying that they were producing a new podcast for their media company hosted by the investigative journalist, John Sweeney. And they asked if I would come on their show. And I guess to kind of tie this back to something that came up earlier, since the Abe assassination, I've been contacted by a variety of different people. And I've kind of decided to sort of put a gate up, which is basically, and the gate is basically like, does this person have cred in this space? Have they done work in this space? Do they know the terrain? Or, or I admit, if they don't know the terrain, then have they at least done their homework in you know, listen to my show and, you know, put some skin in the game. Anyway, as a result of that, I looked up this guy, John Sweeney, and holy fuck, holy fuck. You should go Google. Just don't even listen to my show. Just go Google, go to YouTube and look for John Sweeney Scientology. Just look this guy up. He's like, he's fucking honestly a legend, probably the goat of anti-cult journalism. Really fucking amazing. Long story short, he's written books on Scientology. He went toe-to-toe with the Scientologist. And he was instrumental in shifting the public perception of Scientologists in the late 2000s, early 2010s. He was the guy who was writing the books and doing the documentaries and really going toe-to-toe with those motherfuckers. And this guy, number one, he listens to my show when I fucking nearly shit myself when I heard that. But basically, this dude listens to my show and asked me to come on his show. So yeah, John Sweeney, you definitely passed that fucking litmus test for sure. And he invited me on his show. Uh, it's called Sweeney Talks. It came out a couple weeks ago in December. And I just want to play some clips here just to give you a sense of what a fucking badass this guy is. Welcome to Sweeney Talks. It's a podcast series where I get to interview people who've done serious stuff with their lives and then got into trouble, big trouble. I'm not here to lecture them about that. I'm kind of a professor of big troubleology myself. I've got history with the Church of Scientology, North Korea, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Tommy Robinson, and the Russian army. I'm here to find out what it feels like to be in the deep doo-doo, how you survive it, and then how the hell you get out of it. If you've been in trouble, you're not alone. So come along for the ride. You might learn some new tricks. You might have a laugh. But one thing is sure. The best stories aren't told by the well-behaved. Tell the tale. Elgin was born into the Moonies, the cult that likes to call itself the Unification Church. By the way, they say they're not a cult. Elgin wasn't brainwashed. His parents were. So as a baby, he was brought into a world where brainwashing came as naturally as his mother's milk. After my run-in with the Church of Scientology, they say I'm a bigot, a liar, psychotic. I say they're a space alien cult. 
I've been fascinated by cults in all different shapes and sizes. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, what's it like to be born into the Moonies? Okay, did you hear that right there? John does not pull any punches. He uses the C word and he's not afraid to do so. And he has my utmost respect because many journalists, even though they know what's going on, they don't feel comfortable saying it. John knows what the fuck is going on. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for that. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for what he says next. So in simple terms, this is a thing that calls itself a religion, but is much more like the Gambino crime family. Absolutely. 100%. That's a great analogy. But it's the Gambino crime family that said, we're a religion, so leave us alone, because you're being disrespectful yes. to the other great religions, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Correct. Judaism, Muni, the Unification Church. But actually, no, 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 it's the Gambinos. That's, that's exactly what they've done. And, oh, and by the way, we'll take all the tax breaks and all the you know favorable regulations that religions enjoy as well. Boom. There we go. Here we have it, a fucking well-respected journalist coming out and calling the Moon family a fucking crime family, calling them the Gambino family, calling them a mafia family. Thank you, John. This is the shit that we've been talking about on our show, and... Honestly, I wish there were more people like out there like you. Um, please keep doing what you're doing. I love it. And I want to go to one other clip now, which is going to tie back into something else that um, that I want to speak about. So yeah. what's fascinating for when I was looking at Scientology, yeah. there's a moment, basically, you're kind of, when you're at home, your mom and dad kind of look after you. And then there's a yeah. moment from 16, 17, 18, 19, yeah. depending to around 24, 25, yeah. when you're acutely vulnerable to this kind of claptrap. Absolutely. And basically, from 25, 26 onwards, you start knowing where you are in life. Yeah. But this is the gap. Yes. And loads of people who've left Scientology have become my friends were sucked in at that moment yeah. in their lives when they're looking for something that gives meaning to their existence. Mm -hmm. So this is a very human and proper and good thing, altruism. Yes turned against itself and it becomes altruism the original altruism becomes a servant of a gangster like kind of vampire thing yes. which sucks all your humanity out of you yeah yes there we have it the original altruism becomes a servant of a gangster like vampire thing which sucks the humanity out of you i could not have said it better myself john and I think all of these clips illustrate fundamentally someone who is deeply, deeply versed in how cults work and some of the commonalities that exist between many of them. And I think that that clip is the perfect segue into the next clip, which comes from a very, very, very different source. Okay, so sometime earlier this year, um, I became aware of the fact that the Unification Church, actually, technically, the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Let's let's get it. Let's get the front name straight. The Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Did you know that they have their own podcast? And it started sometime this year. This podcast is called "Why I Joined," and it's hard for me, even the artwork. <laughs> kind of looks like the artwork for this show uh it's hard for me to look at that and 
not think that it might be some sort of response to the fact that I'm doing this show, which is called Falling Out About Why People Leave, they're doing a show called Why I Joined. This show is hosted by one Nancy Jubb, who's the head of PR for the Family Federation, excuse me, the Gambino, excuse me, the Moon family. And one, another person, I believe, called Sun Me Holdis. And they're basically interviewing people who, um, yeah, about why they joined. I know some of the people personally, and I wanted to dive into one episode with someone that I didn't know. And it happened to be this gentleman, a gentleman named Andrew Love. Now, a couple things. I asked John Sweeney if I could include clips of his show on my show. He said yes. I have not asked fucking Nancy Job <laughs> if I can include clips of her show on my show. But I'm about to, okay? And then remember what Sweeney just said about all cults kind of have this time when they're targeting people around their mid-20s. Uh, and then lo and behold, I am the dumbass Unification Church when they're, as a rebuttal, they're they're trying to like clear their name with their own podcast about why people joined. I'm just going to play you a minute or two of this interview with Andrew Love. Um and you be the judge of whether or not it might, you know, fit the 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 sort of things that cults do, and whether or not it might fit some of the things that have been talked about on the show. You tell me. Here goes. This episode of Why I Joined is brought to you by the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification USA. Their mission is to empower people through the worldview offered by the Divine Principle to create God-centered families. I remember constantly throughout the day, every day, I'd check my hands to see if they were shaking because they felt like they were trembling. It was actually my spirit was just waking up. Today, we're joined by Andrew Love. Raised in Toronto, Canada, Andrew got into the comedy world at 18. After attending college for comedy and doing shows all around Toronto and Vancouver, he moved to Los Angeles to try his hand to show business. That's where he ended up meeting the woman who would introduce him to God and cause a massive shift in the trajectory of his life. At the age of 27, everything that Andrew believed to be true was challenged when he encountered the teaching of the unification movement. He was confronted with the proposition that all the assumptions about life that he held on to so tightly might, in fact, be wrong. Yeah, so uh, very interesting how they do not mention anything about the Moonies in their introduction there. They do not mention anything about the Moon family. I wonder why that might be. They also then, and this brings me back to the conversation with John Sweeney. In the introduction, they mentioned that this guy, Andrew Love, was 27 years old in that mid-20s place, that place where people are the most likely to fall prey to cults and i'm gonna play a clip now that explains how we first met the church so can you walk us through who you met and how her name is michael and she's everybody thinks she's an old lady not because they see her but because they're like who could have brought this guy in because yeah (laughs) it's not I, I thought nobody would want me in their church, but um, yeah, she met me. I was just walking. Uh, I was in Santa Monica. I went to the beach just by myself. Cause I was going through that thing where like nothing quite fit 
And I was like, oh, maybe I can go to the beach and look at the sun, kind of like paganism, right? Like, uh, maybe the sun will tell me something. <laughs> and I was walking back. I had my bike. I remember I had my bike and I was just walking back and this kind of young lady just jumped out of a crowd of people. It's like, hello. And I said, hey. And she's like, uh, you want you, she just showed me a card and is asking me questions. Like, you know, do you believe world peace is possible? Like, you know, these kind of questions, like kind of answered. And then she's like, okay, come with me. And I was like, what, where? And she's like, to a lecture. And I said, when does the lecture start? She's like, when you get there. I was like, how is that possible? Is there somebody there? <laughs> and it's all very confusing. Uh, yeah. So if you listen to that, you will notice that, um, it basically corroborates everything that has been discussed on this show about how people are targeted and manipulated into joining the cult, the Gambino family moon family cult. This fucking podcast that nancy job and the family federation for world peace and unification is doing to try to fucking clear their name it is a litany of evidence against them and that's because nothing anything they say about themselves is fucking just evidence of their own guilt because they it's everything they do is fucking manipulative and deceitful and much of it illegal so I'm going to suggest something to all of my listeners, which is you should go out and binge that show. You should go listen to every fucking morsel of why I joined by the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Listen to all of it. Soak it up. I would encourage you to do that. And I want to make the point that I know that the Unification Church is specifically asking people not to listen to this show. So what does that tell you about the various parties that are involved here? One of them is encouraging you to listen to the other one's stories. And one is asking you not to listen to the other stories. What does that tell you? Also, what does it tell you that they're employing the same tactics that a seasoned, highly respected journalist who is a expert on cults in a way that most journalists are not, what does it say if the tactics that he's talking about cults using are the ones that you are talking about using on your own fucking podcast? What might that tell you about your organization? Just think about it. Just just, just think about that. See where that brings you. Okay, now I want to switch gears and go back to a topic earlier about other resources that I recommend. And specifically on the topic of monitoring what's happening in the world of right-wing crazy. Because if you, have, if you or your family has anything to do with this cult, there's a high likelihood that someone in your family is falling prey to this shit. I already recommended the Conspirituality Podcast. There's one more podcast that I want to recommend. It's the QAnon Anonymous Podcast. They had me on as a guest a while back, and it was a great experience. But in my opinion, there is no one better in the business at tracking 
and making sense of everything that's happening in the world of right-wing loony land. And I want to include a clip here that is going to relate back to the Moon family in a way that you will understand after listening to the clip. This is from a recent episode of theirs regarding the Balenciaga conspiracy theory. Here goes. All right, kids. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the most important and meaningful parts of life on Earth, our relationship to brands. Specifically, what happens when a narrative about a brand, carefully crafted by dozens of marketing people sitting in endless meetings, collides with an even stronger, somewhat more organic narrative? Widespread moral panic stoked by bad faith reactionaries. At the center of this specific collision is Balenciaga, an haute couture fashion brand named after a legendary Spanish designer called Cristobal Balenciaga. Georgian designer Demna Gvasalia has been the creative director of Balenciaga since 2015 and has driven its popularity to new heights by pushing the brand into increasingly mainstream collaboration with streetwear companies like Adidas and Crocs, but also with the world of entertainment. A digital clothing line within Fortnite, a Balenciaga-themed 10-minute Simpsons episode, an expensive handbag made to look like a bag of Lay's potato chips. To Gvasalia and marketers in general... All cultural signifiers are fair game to be recycled into a product or ad. The Bernie Sanders campaign logo, a bag of Lay's potato chips, BDSM culture, all just images to be remixed in an attempt to court controversy and garner attention. But the result, of course, is not art. It's profit. Thus, culture is stripped of context, value, and meaning before it reaches the algorithm. This approach came to a head recently when several ad campaigns for Balenciaga caused a big scandal. It all started with a holiday ad campaign, which featured toddlers holding teddy bears wearing bondage gear. Tasteless? Inappropriate? Sure. But this campaign was just the beginning. Because online sleuths then combed through Balenciaga content for more signs that pedo-Satanists were signaling their proclivities. And they found it, of course, in the form of a photo of a Balenciaga handbag with documents spread all around it. The photoshoot's theme was the workplace, and when people zoomed into a partially visible document, they found that it was a printout of a Supreme Court decision ruling that free speech did not apply to the distribution of child pornography. So, anti-child pornography document. But but still, why still a strange choice of Of all the documents you could have included? Are you saying there are no coincidences, Travis? Are you... (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead, man. I'm saying that if you are, you know, uh, I guess a marketer of any talent, like every choice you make in the frame is is, uh, deliberate. Yeah. And so why why exactly make this deliberate choice? So make make some sort of ruling related to child pornography. It is strange. Something to consider. I honestly think the strategy is to bait people like the conspiracists. I think, well... We'll get into exactly how that, yeah, like I'm going to get into how it appears and and humiliate Travis. In another photo from the same shoot, which once again is like a totally separate shoot from this holiday shoot with the teddy bears. It was from the summer. It passed without any comment. And it was like set in the workplace, essentially to sell handbags and other stuff. So in another photo from that shoot, a stack of books is visible on the table. Was it dressing for the shoot or a signal from the pedo elite? The books reference two artists, Matthew Barney and Michael Bormans. Both of these figures are contemporary artists whose work is often grim, violent, and sexual. None of that work was present in the Balenciaga marketing campaign, but the mere presence of the artists' names on book spines was enough to get people going. 
And it wasn't just online sleuths anymore. The right-wing mainstream media stepped in immediately, having identified another perfect topic for their extended war on LGBTQ people and what they perceive as a decadent liberal culture. So here's Tucker Carlson. So this week, Balenciaga rolled out a new ad campaign on Instagram, and the selling point of the ads was sex with children. One photograph showed a very young girl lying face down on a couch with candles, empty wine glasses, and a dog collar on a coffee table in front of her. Another picture showed the same girl, a toddler, holding a teddy bear dressed in sexual bondage gear, including a leather harness. And then, in case you missed the point, we're for pedophilia at Balenciaga. Another picture made it explicit. That picture showed pages from a Supreme Court opinion that struck down a law designed to fight child pornography. Whoever staged the photo shoot made certain to include a portion of that opinion that used the word sex or sexual four times. And of course, that was not an accident. Balenciaga wanted you to notice. The Daily Mail went further, digging up Michael Borman's work for an article entitled Just Another Coincidence? Photos from Scrap Balenciaga Campaign feature book by artists whose works include castrated toddlers after bondage teddy bears fiasco and hidden child porn docs. So one thing to note here is that the order doesn't make any sense. Like the the child porn docs, as they put it, um, were part of that July shoot, which was like a separate thing uh, that we'll get into or whatever. And then there's, of course, the thing that set it all off, which is the extremely tasteless, uh, essentially like having teddy bears have bondage gear on. And uh, I would argue that pushing them together and creating a kind of sense of like, first they did this and then they did this. Are you paying attention? Is like the the kind of uh, linchpin of the narrative on the right about why this happened and what it means. Right wing pundits on Twitter had a field day as well. Blair White said, if Balenciaga did something that offended the LGBT community, every celebrity would have cut ties instantly. They promoted child porn and nearly every celebrity is silent. Really makes you think, huh? Bryson Gray said, Wait, shouldn't Balenciaga have their bank accounts closed, get banned on social media, stores temporarily shut down, and all celebrities condemn them first? Or is that only for black artists and athletes? CJ Pearson said, Balenciaga isn't apologizing for what they did. Balenciaga is apologizing because they got caught. Don't confuse the two. Leia Halpern stepped in and said, After the lack of outrage from celebrities and the media about Balenciaga's child porn campaign, I'm officially convinced the world is run by a satanic pedophile ring. That's what did it for you. Now you're convinced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So obviously these are all kind of like mainstream right wing pundits. Uh, You know, all these all these posts that I just read from have like thousands of likes and tens of thousands of retweets, depending on the on the one. But um. QAnon accounts, of course, went a step further, intimating that this scandal was the beginning of the end for the cabal. We the media said, This Balenciaga situation is going to embroil as many high-profile names or more than the FTX drama. The House of Cards is crumbling. And they included a screenshot of a TMZ article that read, Kamala Harris's stepdaughter turning heads again, this time in Paris for Balenciaga. So... I think they think that the Kamala Harris dynasty is going down for this one just because yes. they have like an NB artist daughter who, <laughs> who was in one of their. Uh, yeah. And that block, article block is like shows. from like a year, like, oh, like well over a year ago. So now we will, Travis, I can see you're impatient. We will get into how these things are crafted and how possibly they could end up fucking up this bad in so many different small ways. But before that, we have to take a look at how even Manosphere psycho Andrew Tate, who's a future subject of the Man Clan podcast, weighed in as well. And he sounded extremely QAnon-brained. 
what are the statistical odds of repeated references to pedophilia being included in multiple advertisement campaigns for one particular brand? Basically, completely impossible. This is very, very purposeful, and they've done it because they're trying to give you hints and trying to normalize and show you and tell you what they do. They're doing this because of karmic retribution. Satanists believe if they tell you what they're doing, if they make their intentions clear and you still adhere to them, that they are no longer responsible for the negative consequences of them. That is karmic retribution. This is elites telling you that they are absolutely and utterly pedophiles and they are here to see if you are complicit in the actions themselves. Now that you understand that, the question is, what are you really going to do about it? Boycotting Benzalanciaga is a fantastic start, sure, but it's the very, very tip of an iceberg, and it's a very, very deep and scary rabbit hole. And when you truly understand who is running the world, and you truly understand how fucked up this world is, then you're going to find out that a larger change than boycotting one particular brand is needed. This is ridiculous, and I'll tell you why. It's one thing to, like, boycott Gatorade, uh, you know, or boycott, uh, uh, you know, Goya beans. Uh, but what average person can afford a Balenciaga anything? Like, yeah. uh, I've been boycotting Balenciaga my whole fucking life. Okay, <laughs> 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 so first of all, thank you to the guys from QAnon Anonymous for uh, giving me permission to use a clip of their recording here. And you may be wondering why... I chose that clip and what that has to do with anything around here on this podcast. Well, as I stated before, I think if you have friends or family that are part of this cult, there's a high likelihood that some of them are going to get sucked into some of this right-wing nonsense. And if I hadn't listened to that episode of QAA, which incidentally dropped in mid-December. And I think that's quite interesting because the guy that they quoted, Andrew Tate, towards the end uh, has since been arrested on sex trafficking charges. Um, the projection is very, very real in this community of people. And I can do one better in terms of demonstrations of that because one Hyung Jin Sean Moon, leader of the infamous gun cult is now a terrible rapper on youtube who goes by the moniker king bullethead yeah just let that sink in that is that is happening and one of his songs goes like this and i would not have known what this was about if i had not listened to the episode of qaa that i just played for you oh Hollywood, they sick, they really are a cult out there, they call us a cult, they're the cult, call them death, and they after the kids, uh. Hollywood really is a cult of death, Balenciaga is messing with my head, they sexualize children, no parental consent, gonna burn in hell, please turn and repent, Hollywood really is a cult of death. Balenciaga is messing with my head. They sexualize children, no parental consent. Gonna burn in hell. Please turn and repent. Did you know Balenciaga means ball is king? You know the evil king and a god that likes eating kids. Yeah, he says he likes Hitler while he says Christ is king. But he defends the brand whose name means the opposite thing. They're not gonna get away with all of this. Balenciaga photo shoots for pedophiles, fetish, child porn on their mind. 
Uh, yeah. So what did you think of that? It has to be mentioned that the video for that, which I'm not going to link to, by the way, um, the video, you'll never guess what dumbass Sean Moon is wearing on his head. Guess what? It's his stupid-ass crown of bullets. And he's carrying his stupid-ass gold-plated AR around his compound. Don't know which one it is. In the video, that's pretty much all that video is. I don't even know what to say. I mean, just what a fucking idiot this guy is. I hope that was a reasonable demonstration of why I think it's important to keep track of what's happening on the right wing. So that if people in your life start talking about this fucking weird ass shit, you, you, you know what it is and you may not... It may not feel right to challenge them on it, but you it at least can give you a sense of how deep down they have gone into that rabbit hole. And there's a final demonstration of that. Dear listener, I'm going to end this episode with a selection of clips from another song by one Young Jin Moon. You'll never guess the video for this song also features him wearing the same outfit with the same fucking crown in the same fucking place. It also, incidentally, opens with a clip of Tucker Carlson, and it's about some sort of moral panic about uh, some school somewhere in the U.S. teaching kids about sex toys, and Tucker's fucking up, up in arms about this, and obviously dumbass Sean Moon is up in arms about this. And again, I wouldn't have really known what the fuck this idiot was talking about if I hadn't just kind of spent an hour a week like listening to stuff just to kind of keep tabs on what the talking points are in that sphere so i am going to fade out with a selection of music from one sean moon oh one more thing i want to say before i go uh season four is right around the corner if you've made it this far in the episode then you get the bonus piece of info which is that if all goes well season four is going to drop January 25th, 2023, in just a few days. I hope I can meet that deadline, but uh, that's what I'm shooting for. Um, and yeah, without further ado, uh, I have to say, in this 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 next song by, by, by Hyungjin, like, this dude, it's kind of, he, he really likes rapping about dildos. This, Sean Moon, like, again, projection. This dude, he mentions dildos a lot in this song. He references it at least six times. And what you're going to hear now is a remixed selection of Hyungjin's words on dildos. Enjoy and see you next time. Dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around, and play with your dildos. And if you get bored of the dildo bus plugs in your desk, you must play with these dildos. Dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around. You must play with these dildos. Dildos, dildos around. You must play with these dildos. Dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around, dildos, dildos around. And if you get bored Sean, we get it, dude. You like dildos. That's fucking cool, man. It's 2023. Just fucking own it. It's fucking cool. And you know what? If you're a little afraid to just dip your toes in those waters, 
just send me your address and I'll send a strap-on dildo to your wife. Peace.